Good morning. I want to invite you to grab a Bible and open up to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6. We'll be looking at one simple verse in John chapter 6 this morning, verse 37. While you're turning there, I'll pray for us. Father, we just ask you to meet us this morning. We pray that you would speak to us through your word, through the words of Jesus himself this morning as he says this simple statement that's so comforting and encouraging and, and wonderful. May we receive it as such, Lord. Work in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we continue our Advent series, I have the privilege of talking about the gift of Jesus' unwavering commitment. Before I read the verse, I want to share something with you. Several years ago, I received a, a very simple note from my wife that was so impactful uh, so incredibly comforting that I, I captured it on my phone. I, I, I wrote it into the notes section of my phone so that I could reference it often, and I do reference it often. Whenever I need to be reminded that I have her deepest commitment of love. And like I said, I, I look at it regularly, and every time I do, the impact is the same. It remains the same. This is what her note said. It said, you are loved. I am with you. In Chicago, or wherever God leads. XO, XO, forever, me. I know that's a simple note, but what was so meaningful about that note was the timing of it. This was several years ago, just a, a couple of years after we had arrived here in Chicago, and it was kind of a difficult time for us as a family. Now, that, that difficulty, I want to be clear, had nothing to do with the church. Uh, the church was actually the real bright spot in our, in our, our lives at that time. The ministry here was, was really going very well, and we were super encouraged. We love Edgewater, and we're just impressed by all that God was doing here. That, that wasn't the issue, but the issue was uh, sort of peripheral, other things in our lives that were weighing pretty heavy on us. And I would say particularly, uh, at least I felt those things particularly as a husband and as a father because I couldn't help but feel personally responsible for placing my family in those difficult circumstances. Here's what they were uh, in a nutshell. Basically, you know, Christine had been so, so happy in our, our life in Arizona. She was just flourishing there and she had a home that she loved. Uh, she, she had her family all around us there. Uh, and she had these deep, long-term friendships. And all of that was just super fulfilling in her life. And so for her to, to leave all of that and, 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 and to come to Chicago in order to follow God's call on our lives, that was something that she believed in. But it was, it was still painful. It was still painful for her. And after a couple of years here, I think the, the, the pain of that was realized. Uh, you know, it wasn't just anticipated pain. It was, it was realized, and it was, it was taking a toll. 
And on top of that, at the time, one of our kids was really struggling socially in school. As hard as they tried, and, and they were trying so very hard, they just couldn't seem to fit in. And there was uh, just a lot of difficulty there. There was some bullying there. Uh, there was rejection. And, and for us as parents, we're watching our, our child go through this, and this, this once bright-eyed, uh, happy-go-lucky and joyful child of ours was becoming deeply depressed and even very angry, and it was, it was heartbreaking for us. So I, as a, as a father and as a husband, am, am looking at this, and I'm, I'm wrestling with guilt. And here I was, so happy to be doing what I was doing, what God had called me to be doing here at the church, and fulfilled in all of that, and yet I'm watching my family struggle. And I guess the thought that occurred to me was, you know, would they resent me? Would their commitment to me as a dad and a husband be affected? Would it change? And then I got the note. You're loved. I am with you. In Chicago or wherever God leads. XOXO forever. Those simple words meant the world to me. To have the most important person in your life affirm their deep love for you, to affirm their unwavering commitment to you, even in a difficult season, well, it's all you need. It's all you need. And, and I can't begin to tell you how important those words have continued to be for me over the years. I share that with you because I want to ask you this question. Have you ever had someone express that kind of love and unwavering commitment to you? And I want to tell you this morning, if you're a Christian, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. In John chapter 6, Jesus makes such a statement that applies to all of us who belong to him. In verse 37, Jesus utters this one simple sentence, but that sentence overflows in abundance with comfort and deep commitment, deep theological truth for guilt-ridden and hurting believers like you and me. And here's what he says. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. The first thing to notice here is how much you and I are loved by the Father and the Son. How much you and I are loved by the Father and the Son. Jesus says here that you are a gift to him. These words are reminiscent of Jesus' prayer for us in John chapter 17. You know that as the, the high priestly prayer. And he says there in, in verse 6, he says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. He's praying to the Father and saying, I've, I've manifested your name to them whom you have given to me out of the world. Yours they were, 
and you gave them to me. And then he says to the Father in verse 23, you loved them even as you have loved me. God the Father loves you. God the Father loves you. So much so that he has given you to his own son as a gift. And he's given his son also as a gift to you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, the, the, the very fact that God has revealed himself as Father, not just as Jesus' Father, but as our Father, is an incredible evidence of his love. If he's our Father, then we are his children. And as John writes in, in 1 John chapter 3, listen, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And that doesn't just apply to some of us. I'm thinking back now to our verse this morning, John 6, 37. He says, all that the Father gives me will come, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. This doesn't just apply to some of us, it applies to all of us. God's love applies to all of us. Not just those who are worthy enough. Not just those who, who, who clean themselves up first. Not just those who've got their act together. No, all, every single one of us will come to Jesus. And get this, we will come. Our belonging to Jesus and our coming to him for our salvation is not just a possibility, but it's a certainty. God's love for us ensures that no plan that he has for his children can ever be thwarted. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5 say this, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Christian, you are loved. God is with you because you belong to him and because you have been given to Jesus Christ as a gift. And nothing, nothing therefore can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I know this can be hard to believe because we've, we've, we've been so conditioned to think that love is earned, right? We're, 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 so, we're so conditioned to think that there's got to be something in us that merits love if we're going to be given love. But listen, that is not true of God's love. 
It's not true of God's love for us, which is why Jesus makes this unwavering commitment to us so clear in this verse, and specifically in the latter half of this verse. Listen, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I will never the, the, the original language there, it's repeated. I will never, never cast out. Here Jesus answers every objection that we could possibly think of before we can even utter them. I will never cast you out. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. You are secure in my love. I really appreciate how the the great Puritan John Bunyan draws out this comforting truth by drilling deeply into the way Jesus would answer any or every objection that we might give. He sort of has this imaginary conversation that you or I might have with Jesus around these words that he's just spoken, just in case we're ever tempted to believe that Jesus might not receive us. Listen to how Bunyan imagines this conversation. But I am a great sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But, but I'm an old sinner, say you. In other words, I've been sinning for a long, long time. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. Oh, but I'm a hard-hearted sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I'm a backsliding sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But, I, but I've sinned against light, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I've sinned against mercy, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have nothing good to bring with me to you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. You know, I said at the outset of this Advent series that these messages over these five weeks, this sermon series, were inspired by Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. Listen to how Ortland reframes our objections and restates Christ's unwavering commitment to sinners like us. He, he does it like Bunyan, but he does it in maybe a little bit more uh, relatable terms. Here's his imaginary conversation between you and Christ. No, wait, we say, cautiously approaching Jesus. You don't understand. I've really messed up in, in all kinds of ways. I know. He responds. Well, yeah, you know, you know most of it, sure, certainly more than others see, but, but there is perversity down inside of me that's hidden from everyone. I know it all. Well, well, well the thing is, it's not just my past. It's my present, too. I understand. But I don't, I don't know if I can break free of this anytime soon. That's exactly the kind of person I'm here to help. Oh, but Jesus, the burden is heavy. It's heavier all the time. 
then let me carry it. It's, it's too much to bear. No, not for me. You don't get it. My offenses aren't directed towards others. They're, they're directed towards you. Well, then I'm the one most suited to forgive them. But the more of the ugliness in me you discover, the sooner you'll get fed up with me. No, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. What a gift our Savior is. Do you see how every objection we might raise is just graciously met by his steadfast love and his unwavering commitment to us? It's not your merit. It's, it's not your worthiness as someone who's cleaned yourself up that warrants this favor from Jesus. In fact, in fact, it's our very sinfulness. It's our very brokenness that qualifies us to come to him and to receive his love. Listen, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. There is no limit. There is no boundary that we can cross that would ever cause his heart to turn away from us. I said earlier that I had fears that I might disappoint my family so much that their commitment to me might be challenged. And listen, I suppose that's always possible in human relationships. But it's never so with Christ. It is never so with Christ. All that the Father gives to me will come, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. You know, on Friday, I had the honor of saying a few words at the, the graveside service for our, our recently departed brother, Paul Sumner. And I, I love Paul, and Paul was a good man. But, you know, even at his graveside, we had the opportunity to acknowledge the fact that Paul was not a perfect man. Now, I don't bring that to disparage Paul in any way. The same can be and will be said at any of our funerals, right? As, 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 as much as we're loved, uh, there's just this obvious fact that remains. We are not perfect people. And I know Paul well enough to know that Paul would be the first to admit this. But I bring it up to highlight this. Despite that truth, we were able to confidently affirm on Friday that Paul is right now in heaven with his Savior. Right now, he is, he is there confidently. And we can say that not because Paul earned it, but because Jesus has earned it for him. Paul loved Christ because Christ loved him, and he knew it. And Christ held on to Paul's hand through every up and every down, through it all, never letting go of him because he will in no way cast out those who belong to him. In Ortland's book, he describes the, the grip of Christ on us like this. Listen, I think this is a beautiful illustration. He says, when my two-year-old Benjamin 
begins to wade into the gentle slope of the zero-entry swimming pool near our home, he instinctively grabs a hold of my hand. He holds on tight as, we, as, we, as the water gradually gets deeper and we wade further into it. But, but a two-year-old's grip is not very strong. Before long, it's not he holding on to me, but me holding on to him. Left to his own strength, he would certainly slip out of my hand. But if I have determined that he will not fall, not out of my grasp, then he's secure. He can't get away from me if he tried. And so with Christ, we cling to him to be sure. But our grip is that of a a two-year-old amid the stormy waves of life. His sure grasp never falters. Psalm 63.8 expresses this double-sided truth. My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. Christian, if you're struggling to believe this morning that Christ will never cast you out, I want to remind you and encourage you with this wonderful truth. It is not the measure or strength of your faith that keeps you in the grace of God. But it's the object of your faith that keeps you in the grace of God. And the object of our faith is Jesus Christ. And he will never, ever cast you out. God's grace is amazing. God's grace is the best gift we'll get this Christmas or any other. And I want to just briefly close by asking you, how do you respond to the grace of God? How do you respond to the grace of God? You know, there's really only three ways you can respond. The first one is you can run away from it. I don't know why you would ever do that. I know that's what we typically do. It's so easy for us to just turn in shame and think that, that this promise of Jesus just can't apply to me. But, but if, if, you haven't, if you haven't heard over the last 30 minutes or so everything I've said, please hear it now. He will never, ever cast you out. So why would we ever run from his grace? Repentance. It's, it's, it's the most safe thing we can do. We turn to him And we recognize that our sin actually is what qualifies us to come. It's not what keeps us away. It's what qualifies us to come. He came to save sinners. So you could run, but why would you ever run? That's the first response. The second response is that we can abuse that grace. We could, we could just sort of abuse it. There's a term for that, antinomianism. It means that we, we simply say, well, hey, if grace abounds when I sin, then I'll just keep sinning all the more. Why not, right? I'll just abuse that grace. But why would we abuse that grace? How foolish would it be to abuse that grace? I think about that letter that, that my wife wrote to me in the midst of, of me feeling guilty and, and burdened by this struggle that I, I, you know, I, I had pl- played such a big role in putting our family into. And, and if my wife were to come to me and say, no, you're loved, 
and I'm with you. Why on earth would I then say, great, because now I'm going to drag you into something even worse? No, I, I, I want to be drawn then to say, this, this undeserved love and favor makes me just want to serve you and care for you and love you. I don't want to abuse God's grace. I hope you don't want to abuse God's grace. How could you abuse a love like this? That brings us to our third response, and it's the only right response for us as believers, and that's just to love Him. To love Him. And I say love Him, thinking about what Jesus says here in this verse. Whoever comes to me. We come to him. We come to a person. There's great truth in this statement. There's great doctrine in this statement. There's great gospel in this statement, but you don't come to doctrine, and you don't come even to the gospel. You come to a person. You come to the gift himself, to Jesus. And again, when we know the kind of love that he's shown to us and we rightly understand it and we rightly receive it, how could it but produce in us great love for him? Jesus is gentle and lowly. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus ever pleads for you. Those are the things that we've been talking about over the last three Sundays. And add to that, this great promise, he will never cast you out. What a gift. What a Christmas gift he is. And this verse, this is the note that he has left for you to read, maybe to capture on your phone and to pull it out and reread it over and over again as often as you need to be reminded as he says to you you are loved I am with you in Chicago or wherever God leads you I love you and I am committed to you forever Merry Christmas <laughs>